0: Welcome to BusinessWorks. This is Hal Alpiar along with Johnny Stites, and we have been talking about quality employees for the last couple of uh, weeks, and we're going to kind of put the finishing touches on that today, talking about managing employees in order to build customer or patient or client base and customer-patient or client relations and how to do that. And it found some interesting kinds of things. One little item here that I came up with is is an excerpt from a passion for excellence, which is a book um, that Tom Peters wrote. He also wrote in Search of Excellence. Uh, the, these are um, they've been around a while, but they they are very well referred to, even in in present day management courses. There's a little article called Management by Walking Away. We finished the last show talking about management by walking around, and so now I noticed management by walking away. And it was a quick story about a a guy who ran a company called Quad Graphics, and he had a number of people on staff, including truck drivers, and they were driving 18-wheelers as part of the fleet. I'm not quite sure what they were shipping or what they were doing. But at some point, uh, they needed to get more backhaul revenue. In other words, you take a shipment in a truck to location X and deliver it and then you're coming back from there empty. And so what they were trying to do is figure out a way to get people to uh, make more use of the trucks and the mission and the direction and where they were going and coming back from. And and so the the head of the company decided that the way to do this was that he felt it was the owner – he he felt that the truck drivers um, should be part of the organization in a sense that what he did was gave each of them keys to use one of the trucks each and told them that they were the owner-operators of those trucks and that they were going to start a new division – of the company that would make their rigs profitable on return trips and that it was their job to do that and figure out how to do that. And and uh, they asked, well, how should we do it? He said, I don't know. I don't know anything about driving an 18-wheeler and uh, I'm not going to carry your loads. And with that, he turned away and said amen and walked away. <laughs> he left them with their the, the keys to their trucks and apparently that worked out fine. Over time, they all generated return trips with filled trucks and the company did well. But I'm not sure that was such a great solution. I think he was pretty lucky. He must have had a, 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 a group of very um, interested and dedicated employees in order for that to happen in the first place. So. Um, It was just kind of an interesting little side story, but, uh, Johnny, I wanted to see if you could tell us today a little bit about uh, the subject of metrics and how that relates to managing employees and helping employees to help build the customer-client base and customer-client relations in a business.
1: Thank you, Hal. I think the first thing I want to comment on is your uh, observation that he must have had good employees. The first step that we talked about last session here was how do you attract and, and maintain good employees? Before you can do any kind of company performance metrics, you have to have the right people in the right seats. If you don't have that, you're not going to be successful. And it's not just a question of mechanics. It's attitude and,
0: and, yeah, and yeah. a whole dedication to what they're doing.
1: Are, are these people that get it, want it? and have the capacity to do it, God-given capacity.
0: How, how do you determine that?
1: Well, I, I think I think you do that by having a formal period of time that you evaluate people and their performance. And you do that in as objective way as possible. And metrics are how you can be objective. Because if you say, I like this guy, I'm going to give him more money than I do the other guy or the other gal. Because I like him better. That's a terrible way. That will tear up a company and tear up a culture big time.
0: So, but so you're not you're not following your gut instincts. Is well, what, yeah, you're and, saying that there's more to it than than just uh, uh, making a decision like that.
1: Yes. You, you, well, there may be some subjective measurements uh, whether this person is sociable, whether this person gets along with others. Depends
0: on the job, I guess. Depends
1: on the job. That's right. But what you should do is you should have in your company a set of metrics that if you were on a deserted island, thousand miles away, and you got this report, you would know whether or not your company was doing well or whether the company was faltering. These metrics are different with every company, they're different with every company within an industry. And in our case, we had metrics. Excuse me,
0: I'm sure I'd want a report. If I were on an island a 1,000 miles away? <laughs> well, only if
1: you cared about your I'm business. I'm probably there
0: to get away from it all. <laughs> but yeah, I, I get your point. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so the idea is that you need to come up with the metrics. The ones we first think about are those that we see on the financial and, and statement. What,
0: excuse me. Can you explain what you mean by the word metrics? How how, how listeners can uh, identify with so that?
1: They, they've called uh, key dashboard indicators, uh, success measurements. There's a lot of different terms for it. But a metric would be things like how much are your sales revenue? That's a metric. It's a measurable. It's a measurable. Mm -hmm. It's things that you can, uh, that are very objective, and you either sold a million dollars or you didn't. And if you are being measured by that, that gives you a metric, a specific measurement that you can judge the employee's performance by. And just uh, – there's about 12 I've got here to mention. Yeah, the first one was uh, sales revenue. Another very closely associated with sales revenue is net profit margin.
0: Can we talk about those two for a minute? Sure. So, uh, because not everyone – I I think not everyone has a clear understanding of what, the, what they mean. Uh, and, and does – is it a uniform meaning or does everybody have their own – Interpretation of this, or well,
1: accountants all have a specific way to measure it. sales. Basically, is calculated by summing up all the income from client purchases, minus the costs associated with returned or undeliverable products.
0: So revenue,
1: it's uh, your is, gross is revenue.
0: Gro- there's gross revenue, which is the total amount of money coming in, and then yeah. the, the, what kind of revenue is it once you start deducting? The expenses and things. What, what? So the,
1: the net margin would be your monthly revenues, oh, okay. and you reduce all the sales expenses. Thank
0: you. Okay.
1: And then there's another one that's important, and that's gross margin, which is your revenue minus your cost of goods sold divided by your total sales revenue. So it's a percentage number, your gross margin percentage.
0: We're going to take a – thank you, Johnny. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll be back with you with BusinessWorks. Welcome back. This is Hal and Johnny. Johnny was just talking about uh, a couple of factors that are really important in the area of metrics and he described that – what it means. Sales revenue, net profit margin and and how those relate. And then we were starting – he was just starting to talk about gross margin, I think, um, and – and what – you know, these sound like fancy accountant words. Um, are they things that – that are they known by other names or do most business owners have a sense of what this means? And if they don't, where can they find out? I mean is there some real simple, quick uh, way to uh, understand the differences in these categories that you're giving? And
1: Well, I'm giving them the definition as we go through and just like gross margin, is the total sales revenue minus the cost of goods sold. What did it cost you to buy the product that you've now sold to somebody else, and then you divide that by the total sales revenue? If you didn't divide it by the total sales revenue, you'd end up with a number. But because we it, we end up with a percentage. So the gross margin is a percentage. The net profit is a number. So those first two three are all about sales. And as we all know, nothing happens in any company until somebody sells something. So sales are exceedingly important. Yeah,
0: I've always uh, talked to clients about the idea of, well, it's nice to be thrifty, but if you're going to spend all the energy going around and turning out lights and uh, uh, lowering the air conditioning and doing whatever you can do to try to save a nickel you're going to be losing money in the long run because that energy would be better spent and time better spent making sales you don't you don't make money in business by being thrifty you make it by making sales and so what does that take and and this is a, fits right into what you 're talking about here what What are some other um of these metrics the term metrics that you use there what
1: I also say how uh, that it's important to understand that the metric itself is not as important as understanding its impact on your company. Thank you. That's a good point. Because, yep. it, if, for instance, sales. If I'm a, when I came here, our sales were two hundred fifty thousand dollars when we started. When I left, we were forty six million. The issue is not what are the sales, but what are you taking home, and if your cost of goods. Greater than your sales at forty six million, you're in trouble. You weren't taking forty six million home. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Although some people may think that.
0: So what? So expenses could be forty, forty five million, and then you've got a million. Yeah. Well, if you've got a whole lot of employees to pay and other things uh, besides, that uh, that's not you're not taking that home either. You know. Um, so it gets thin there at the top.
1: Well, the whole idea is that you want to have metrics that make sense for your company, and you have to spend some time thinking about it. And we all know Henry Ford said, "Thinking is a is is a hard, hard thing to do." That's why most people don't do it; they aren't thinking. <laughs> yes, and so, you got to take the time to work on your business. Henry knew
0: what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah,
1: you got to take the time to work on your business, and not just in your business, right? because you don't if you don't have time to stop, step back and look at what's going on and make a good decision about your business, who's going to do it if not you? So you have to make sure that you don't let the urgent take the place of the important. And certainly it is important to know where your business is. So the measurement of revenue if it's just one measurement, it may not tell you anything unless you compare it to the previous revenue and your goals for revenue. That gives you an Speaking of
0: goals, and I see your little note down here, have you ever thought about how many small things contribute to acquiring a customer? Um, Maybe touch on that a little bit, uh, because I think that we often overlook what's involved in terms of expenses for going out and getting sales.
1: Well... The cost of customer acquisition is uh, different for everybody. It's different from company to company. And it may be that that has to do with the marketplace. It may have to do with the kind of business you're in. Again, you're wanting to come up with a number and see if that number's going up or down because the cost of customer acquisition, you want that to be as low as possible so that you can reach as many people for the least amount of money. And the cost of customer acquisition is, uh, it could be on a monthly basis or it could be on an annual basis, but you just want to make sure that it's there. And the easiest way to calculate it is you take the average customer lifetime value and you multiply the average value of the sale by the number of repeat transactions and the average retention time in months for a typical customer.
0: What's the average uh, lifetime value? That's the customer lifetime
1: value. You multiply the average sale, average value of a sale, by the number of repeat transactions, and then the average retention time in months for a typical customer.
0: And how would you know all of that Um,
1: you gotta be tracking that but you got to be capturing that data your businesses there's
0: probably no way to do that is there you think? then I,
1: that wouldn't be one of that wouldn't be a valuable or valid metric for them there not every business has the same metrics, so right. this is just one like customer loyalty and retention probably that'd be one for everybody mm-hmm. to know how we're responding with our customers right. and you'd want that information whether you had one customer or a thousand customers. In fact, if you had one customer, you definitely want to know it All Right. Uh, versus one who had 1,000 because you could get 10 more if you lost 10, if you had 1,000. If you lost one, you're out of business if you only had one.
0: So how would you measure this if you were a different kind of a, a, a business, uh, m- let's say a, you know, a product-oriented uh, business? Uh,
1: you, one of the things you, we did was we just asked the question, were you pleased? Were you happy? Is this something that you feel like you were doing, uh, that you did a good job for this client? Do they also feel the same way? Are you living in a bubble? Somehow you have to get this information out. We always separated it from the people in the field. We let the people in the office send the, the survey to the client so that they were not ill-affected by the people in the field so they didn't feel like if i don't say i'm doing good they won't do me a good job so we felt like that was important to separate those two and we always got a great deal of of customer uh sat delighted the customer and we got a great deal of repeat business because how, of
0: how that. do you get customers to um to To complete a survey, or to take one, or do it, I, you know, I'm very resistant to that myself. So when yeah. people ask me, I don't have the time for that. I don't want to be bothered. Let's take a break right now. We'll be back uh, with more from Johnny and Hal on how to interpret metrics and use them in your business. Welcome back to Business Works. This is Hal and Johnny. We are talking about managing employees to build customer, client, patient base. And relationships, um, there are a lot of ways to do this, and and uh, Johnny is really uh, going through a list with us on metrics, and we might redefine that term again for anyone who's just tuned in. Um, Johnny, you want to take us back into this discussion with uh, with metrics? And, well, and we were just talking about that again, customer and
1: loyalty and retention, and I I think it's important to understand that every business has the opportunity to build that loyalty and to retain good clients. The best way to do that is by delivering something the customer didn't even expect to receive. That is so critical to them and being loyal to you as a customer. I, I learned this at a restaurant one time. I was there eating, and the waitress normally would say, Is everything all right? And, of course, everybody says, Yes. With a few exceptions, even if the food is awful, they'll say that, and they'll leave the place and never come back and Nobody ever knows. in this case, she said, "Is your food delicious?" Well, that was a different metric that was a different bar for me to understand. And I had to stop and think, "Well, was it delicious, or was it just sort of mediocre and I had a different answer than I would have had had she said, "Is everything all right cause all right is just or right. You're satisfied, are you satisfied?" So she wanted us to understand that she was trying to deliver more than we expected. Exceptional. Yeah. Exceptional. That's correct. Okay.
0: Johnny, one of the things you talked about here qualified leads per month, sales leads, I assume. Um, and and as your company grows, uh, how do you – you would be able to invest more money in doing that. But, but how does that happen? Can you tell us how you measure it and, uh, and, and what are the ingredients there?
1: This is typically called a sales funnel, and you basically have the whole world out there. It's at the top of the funnel. It's an inverted funnel going down. The whole world is out there. Then everybody that might have a construction project is in the next level, and then the third level would be people who have a construction project that you want to go after would be in the next level, and then would you want to make a presentation to all of those people? Probably not presentation might be to tell them what you could perform for them, how much you would charge them, do an estimate on their work, and then finally, which ones of those did you actually secure? If you track the number that enter and the number that come out the bottom, meaning by sales to that person, you can get percentages at each level, and it teaches you how calculate what you put in the top to create what you want to come out at the bottom in terms of a total number. So
0: if this was in healthcare, it's almost, you're talking like diagnostics. It's it's the steps involved in filtering down to the point of identifying exactly what an issue is.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You, you start out, this person is sick. Okay. You don't want to talk to anybody that's not sick. So all the people that are sick, then which ones of them have cancer? Which one i which ones of them have uh, brain cancer, and then you know how to start dealing with it. So it's important for each right. of us to, in our business, to try to create that sales funnel because you can't advertise to everybody, because not everybody's in a, is a prospect right. for your product.
0: So you're talking about qualified uh, leads, and and uh, in, in marketing, how does that translate? Well, you do, the do your
1: marketing to the places where the people would be that That are interested in what you're doing right, so if you 're at a at a convention and people there are interested in products that you sell that 's a different kind of marketing that you want to do at your booth than if you were trying to do that same marketing over the world wide web to people who had no interest in that right. product, so you got the marketing is qualified leads, then sales accepted leads meaning i'm these are the people. The marketing team has forwarded to me, and we're waiting to see whether the sales process is going to continue with these people, or are they reject it because they're not prospects. They're now, not. Now,
0: now I have to do both of those. For example, when I'm when I'm selling my books, yeah, I, I, because I have to have a book signing tour or or do that in front of small groups, and do a little presentation. I, I call it a song and dance kind of routine. Uh, but I also have to be on the on the internet in terms of things like tweets and uh, uh, blog posts on LinkedIn and other places and on my own site. So I got to do a little bit of everything there. And, and some businesses, I guess, have to do that um, where you can concentrate on one or the other or maybe you need to do it all.
1: Well, unless you have an unlimited budget, which nobody has, right. you need to have a budget – that allows you to do the amount of marketing and advertising and sales to create the revenue that you want to bring into your company and grow your company. So it's also important, I think, as we begin to wrap this subject matter up, that we talk about the monthly website traffic would be something I think you'd want to do. We are tracking that in my business now of of coaching other businesses uh, to find out exactly what the uh, success ratios we're having and where we need to go that is not working. We're doing a bunch on LinkedIn right now. It's also important to have in your metrics those uh, milestones that are met and those that are overdue, because if you don't track what's overdue, you're going to get off, off track and you're going to fall behind. And finally, I think one important one is employee happiness. Be sure that your employees are happy And are we doing anything as owners of the business to cause them not to be happy? If we are, we should change that. But how are we going to know that if we don't ask the question and start tracking that metric? So that would wrap it up, I think.
0: All right. Thank you, Johnny. If uh, any listeners have questions about this or comments of their own that you think you'd like to have uh, emphasized on the show, please be in touch with us by emailing hal at businessworks, one word, U.S. Uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you, and uh, we are wrapping up today, managing employees to build customer-client base and relations, and we'll be moving forward next week on some new subjects.